Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast more depressing than a victory week celebration, but less depressing than the constant state of Rutgers football. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you majestic beast, we're celebrating a victory. How are you feeling, brother? I feel better than celebrating a loss, my friend. <laughs> I don't often do a celebration of a loss unless I'm a Dolphins fan and tanking, which I happen to be. So I've actually done that in my life. So see, you can celebrate tanking, but also celebrate winning. But winning always just feels so much better. Winning is winning is just so much better to celebrate, whether it's against Rutgers or, or whoever it's against. A win is a win. This is one we were supposed to get, and we went out and did it in dominant fashion, I might add. Yeah, breaking news. Winning is better than losing. And this week, it wasn't about how Michigan won. It wasn't that they won. It was how they won. And it felt so much better. Just handled business, all sides of the ball, dominant offense, just overpowered these pushovers. It felt great. Absolutely. It's what it's like what you said, and it's the same thing that goes for Wisconsin. It's not that they lost. It's how they lost. And it's not that they won against a way overpowered Rutgers team. It's that they had their best game of the season. Um, they didn't, you know, there was the one turnover that Shea Patterson threw, which I'm not going to eat your lunch over throwing a 50-50 ball to Nico Collins on the sideline. You just got to put a little more air under it. 
so took care of the ball. Defense pitches a shutout. Um, not a ton of penalties that I can remember, at least. And uh, a lot of new names showing up and a lot of names that we expected to have big seasons really start to round into form. So you can feel better about that. How much should we read into this, though? I mean, should we get overly excited? I mean, I'm not handing out hand jobs over here, but at the same time, you know, this is exciting stuff, you know, to be back in the in the win column. It does feel good to be back in the win column. And I think fans should take this as the first game of the season. This is what Michigan should have looked like against Middle Tennessee State. It's good to see people like John Runyon come back to form, looked really good. Again, granted, it's against lesser competition, but this is much less of a shock to the system when he returns last week and has to go against a vaunted Badgers defense, kind of easing back into things. And everybody could really get the rust off. This look, Like I said, this is how Michigan should have been from the start, but I'm glad they found it now instead of when it was too late. Right. And that's why you schedule middle Tennessee is you were hoping to get some of that rust off for whatever reason. I think that they were still a little rusty going into that Wisconsin game, just ill prepared all the fumbles that they had taken mentally. I think that they were not in a great place. So you wrote an article uh, that's on mazeandbrew.com that you should absolutely read um, about that Rutgers game. And you said that they can go back to the cookie jar. I forget who you were quoting. You can, you can respond with that, but uh and, and that's right. We talked about that after the game, that you can go back to the proverbial cookie jar to this win, look at it and all the things that you accomplished and remind yourself, oh, yeah, we're actually pretty good at football. You know, we're not we're not a middle of the road team. We're an above average team and we should beat a lot of our competition pretty handily. Yeah, I was quoting David Goggins, former Navy David. SEAL endurance athlete now. Um, And by the cookie jar, he means just referring back to wins in your life, moments when you overcame adversity. And this is what this team did. They had to listen all week. It was only a week between Wisconsin and this game, although it felt like a month. These kids just having people tag them on Twitter anonymously and just calling them stupid and how they suck and forgetting that they're 19. And they had to listen to that all week. They can't get away from it. It's inescapable at this point with technology. So they went out there and responded at home and did what they should have done. If you're mad about this win, that says more about you than it does about this team. A win is a win, and a dominant win really helps absolve some of the sins we saw in Madison. It doesn't heal everything, but we've at least put a Band-Aid on it. Yeah, if you're mad about a win, you're probably involuntarily celibate and just can't find a mate. I don't know why, why you hate life and happiness so much. You probably hate Pixar movies. Yeah, this is the first time we could enjoy football since early November last year. Like, come on. <laughs> enjoy it. And I and I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So let's kind of talk a little bit about what we saw specifically, some players that stood out to you. Um, I'll, I'll give you one right off the bat. And uh, we talked about him off air, and that's Aiden Hutchinson. Um, that hit, you you called it too off air, that it changed the tone of the game. It set the tone of the game defensively. He carries the mouthpiece, I think, so far. Metellus may be your most steady guy, kind of the captain of the defense, um, you know, the senior back there. But Hutchinson, I mean, just with his presence and what he brings to the table, man, I'm, I'm excited about what we've seen from him. Maybe our most consistent player other than Metellus through, through four games. Yeah, possibly a big hit. We loved that Oof. hit. And yeah, he's the clutch player on this defense. When Michigan needs a defensive play, look to Aiden Hutchinson because he's going to make it because no one can block this behemoth. And lest we forget, this is his first full-time starting. So he's just going to get better as he figures out more moves and more ways and just more nuance of the position. 
Absolutely. What else stood out to you about the game? And I mean, it could be coaching, could be anything else that you saw in this game. Well, let's stay defensively on the field for now before we get to coaching. And I want to go with two players. Let's go with Cam McGrone and Daxton Hill. Love it. Speed everywhere. Cam McGrone looked like Devin Bush's little brother. It gave us that dynamic in the middle of the defense we'd been missing. And Daxton Hill's aggressiveness, just flying around the ball, was fantastic. He was like, he just explodes on plays and is not afraid to hit people. And something our secondary had been missing between Lavert Hill out there. So it was great to see. And oh man, I can't believe he's a freshman. And I can't believe McGrone technically is a freshman as well. His first year playing without a red shirt. Yeah, Cam McGrone somehow only had like one and a half tackles in that game, uh, which doesn't make any sense to me. He was all over the field, uh, just in the face of Sitowski. Uh, he's going to be an absolute stud. You heard Jim Harbaugh raving about him. Dax Hill, same thing. I mean, that hit that he laid, that was maybe the loudest the crowud got throughout Brick the game. Killed a guy. <laughs> Brick killed a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saw that. Uh, yes, and I'm of the opinion, and you know, you kind of heard Harbaugh already say it, but I want to echo that, that these guys need to be on the field more, A, because of their speed, which you mentioned, and we don't have a ton of team speed, especially at linebacker. Devin Gill and Jordan Glasgow, while are steady, are not athletic or fast. Jordan Glasgow uh, did not have his best game, and athleticism maybe uh, got put to the test a little bit. But McGrone brings that, Dax Hill brings that, and more importantly, they need a star on this defense. And that, let me explain myself there. It's not that they need a big name like Jabril Peppers out there, but they need somebody that the opposing offensive coordinators have to account for, somebody that can be a game wrecker, somebody that is just an absolute game changer. Um, And I wouldn't necessarily say that we had that on that defense yet. Hutchinson's the closest thing that we've had. Uh, Metellus is very, very solid. But is he necessarily that game-changing presence that Devin Bush was? Um, and McGrone and Hill might not get there this year, but I think that you see flashes. And, uh, I mean, look out when these dudes come into their own. Yeah, a lot of people flashed on defense this week, but I- I'm with you. They need at least some people like that to be burgeoning stars for next season. But the whole defense as a unit played as cohesive as we've seen them this season, and it looked really great. They gave up one long drive. That was it. They were just locked down after that. Ambry Thomas had a big game. Um, Quiddy Pay had a big game. But I'm a little, I'm still a little skeptical of his big game because his playmaking yeah. really came after Rutgers starting left tackle went out. Yeah. But um, it was still good to see him have some production. Mike Dana played really well. Josh Uche, best mean mug in the game, played Oof. out of his mind. So it was really good as a whole unit to get this game. After they just got gouged last week by. Um, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, yeah. And UJ is pretty close to being that difference maker on defense. But in the bigger games, uh, when he's gotten when he has to take on bigger linemen, he's he's struggled against Ohio State, Florida, Wisconsin, but who didn't struggle against those guys. So uh, yeah, good to see some of those guys show up. Carlo Kemp's been our probably our steadiest defensive tackle. Good to see Dwum Ford back out there. Um, and I, I couldn't agree more with what you said about Quiddy Pay and the defensive ends and Mike Dana, who also had a pretty good game. Uh, against Rutgers, it was okay, but our pass rush to me is still not solved, and we'll kind of talk more about that, especially with the with the matchup we got coming up against Iowa. Uh, but let's move to the offensive side of the ball, and uh, plenty to like. Um, offense really, mo- I mean, when you get fifty two points, you know, it, it's hard to really hate on that. Uh, I'm going to touch on Ronnie Bell. Uh, it's time to to call it what it is. Ronnie Bell is one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. 
Absolutely, 100%. He's a game-changing type of receiver. Needs a little more size, but my goodness, is he tough. He catches anything you throw at him. He can make a miss. He's shifty. He's got some sauce on some of those moves. Um, he's smart. I mean, this was a home run hit. And, uh, you know, I, I see some of the writers hating on on people that are saying Ronnie Bell is not. I've never heard anyone on Twitter say that they were Ronnie Bell hater. If you're a stargazer, you know, not a highly recruited guy, but this is a hit. And Ronnie Bell, I mean, he's going to terrorize defenses for, for a couple years at UM. He is, and it's a really nice piece. And next to him, which I really think helps him shine even more, is Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is definitely back in form and was the recipient of some of Shea Patterson's best passes of his career on the left sideline across the middle. He looked like DPJ again. That's what he looked like this week. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to need that. I mean, we didn't think we needed that. Like, oh, we'll be okay with Tariq and Nico. But no, no, I mean, we need all of them out there. And DPJ makes a huge difference, especially going across the middle like that. Uh, he's going to be big for us moving forward. And that is just as good a wide receiving core as you're going to find in all of college football, in my opinion. So, yeah, that was great. And you also touched on Shea Patterson, absolutely dealing. One of the best games we've seen him have um, other than the interception, which once once again, I don't hate you throwing a 50-50 ball to Nico Collins, but he's 6'5", so maybe let's get some air under that. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he looked calm. He looked collected, started to get some of that swagger back. Looks like that oblique injury wasn't bothering him too bad. But once again, grain of salt against that Rutgers secondary. The biggest difference for Shea Patterson was the offensive line protection. If he's True. clean, he'll tear people apart. But when he gets hit, he gets rattled. And that's when he starts having the errant passes go above people's heads and missing open receivers and reading coverages wrong and pushing blocks the other way and protection. So it was – you keep him clean, he's fine. And that's what this offensive line showed up today, especially in pass pro. Running game still left a little to be desired, but 52 points is 52 points. Can you name the last time Michigan scored this many points in a game? Probably against Rutgers last year or two years ago with 72 game. No, that was 2016. So that was three years ago. Three years ago, 2016. Uh, last year, I don't think we did it, did we? Unless it was yep. early in the season. Same week, week four. Michigan put up 56 on Nebraska, the game we were at. Oh, yeah. We were there, man. Let me tell you, marijuana is a hell of a drug. You forget that. <laughs> but, yeah, week four was once again the coming out party for the offense. And it's, it's kind of serendipitous it happened again. Enjoyed seeing that. And also, I don't, not many people have talked about him too much from what I've seen. Eric All, good to see oh, yeah. him out there. Yeah, absolutely. Had his name called a couple times, too. Had a big block on the Nico Collins touchdown. Um, he's going to be a player for us. I'm excited about Eric All. You have to be excited about all the young guys you saw on the field uh, and getting their names called, too. McGrone, Hill, Eric All, uh, Ronnie Bell's young. So definitely excited about some of the young guys there. Uh, last thing I want to touch on with the offense is Josh Gaddis being on the sideline. I am a huge, huge proponent of this, and I was a fan of it before because I was reading an article or it was just an interview uh, about why he didn't want to be on the sidelines. And he kind of laughed and said, I'm too emotional for that. He's like, if it were for the emotion things, I'd be on the sidelines. And that's kind of what we were we were harping on after Wisconsin is they need some emotion on the sideline. They look lost and dead out there. Nobody seemed to care. And I don't know if it was Gaddis moving out there that brought him that, but I'm all for more emotion on the sideline. If we take a 15-yard penalty because he's barking at the ref, we'll take it. We need that team energized on the sideline. We need his eyes on the sideline. 
Well, this is what Michigan's been missing when they have the crucial turnover or fumble inside the opponent's red zone or something like that. All the players come back dejected and they just fall apart. The whole team does. But now that Gaddis is there, he can rally a troop, say, hey, let's get it together. We're going to get him on the next one. Let's go down there, drive the ball down their throats, open some things up, and let's do it. And once, and once again, you see Michigan, Michigan execute the way we thought they would all season. Speed and space, great routes, complex. Maybe you need to shorten up some of those routes. I feel like Michigan's kind of has Cleveland Brown syndrome to where we have all these shiny toys, but we just want to run deep crosses and run big plays instead of just working the underneath stuff. So a little more of that in the future, but it was nice to see it finally work, that it's not just some myth and some he was selling to us that we were buying without knowing what it was. Josh Gaddis's move to the sideline was the biggest takeaway from this game. I would have to agree. It's something that you got to ride for the rest of the season. Don't bother changing it back. That's where he should be. I, I 100% agree. It's a very good point about the Cleveland Browns comparison is I would not want to be that offensive coordinator. You have that many weapons you're trying to get the ball to. and it, I mean, it is an embarrassment of riches. Um, but one thing that was lacking, like you said, was the running game could have been a lot better, especially against Rutgers. We look pretty much dominant everywhere else. We're going against a much better defense, and we will be going against much better defenses the rest of the year. Running game didn't look that great. Granted, I think we can pretty much say with absolute certainty, Charbonnet was on a pitch count, yeah? Yeah, they need to limit him in games like this where he's not necessary. But it was great to see good stuff from Hassan Haskins, Christian Turner, and True Wilson. Yeah, True Wilson coming back is bigger than people realize. We just didn't have bodies back there. I mean, Ben Van Summeren, you you really can't trust, I mean, to miss a tackle. I mean, he looks just like Billy Zane was drinking protein shakes for like six and a half years straight on some island somewhere. But I mean, and that's you great. He wasn't? <laughs> I don't know what Billy Zane's been doing since Titanic. Do you? <laughs> um, Zoolander appearance that's about it that's it yeah he came back to the mainland stopped drinking protein shakes and yeah and, and then we see him come back as Ben Van Sumeren um, but you really can't trust him Hassan Haskins I mean we'll see about him so you need a guy you can trust back there and getting True Wilson back is huge um, so yeah, I mean we need Charbonnet though I mean I can't stress that enough for this team to reach its max potential Without that running a game against better opponents, it's not going to work. So we need him back. So good call keeping him kind of on a pitch count there. Yeah, there's no need to run him into the ground against Rutgers, especially when the game's in hand. Zach Charbonnet finished with five carries for 22 yards, came in, got some touches, got out of the game. That's all you need. That is all you need. You already know what you have with him. I mean, which is difficult to say about most freshmen, but you've got to feel good about his pass pro, his running ability, his vision, everything. He's a complete running back, and the schedule only gets harder after Rutgers. We don't have another easy game, although Maryland sure fell off a cliff. <laughs> Maryland did fall off a cliff. That was that was bad. We thought this team was going to be good, and we just kind of got fed into the early season hype machine where he missed football so much. Like, man, look at him. And then it's like, oh, no, no, don't look at him. <laughs> oh, oh, Mike Loxley. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> how can you go from putting up that kind of point total to getting shut out like that in back-to-back -back games? That was an absolute beating. I mean, that was just they, – they stood no chance. Penn State's a good team. I really – I didn't think they were that good. <laughs> no, they're not that good. I think Maryland really uh, regressed. Uh, Josh Jackson, quarterback, looked awful, truly awful. I didn't watch a ton of that game, but Maryland can't stop anybody on defense, and if that offense isn't going to be nearly what we thought they were, 
I mean, we were way off about them. I mean, that's that's a crazy turnaround, though, to just blow Syracuse out of the water and then get shut out back-to-back weeks like that. Um, so Maryland, yeah, not not nearly as afraid of them. The big game, the primetime game, which had no business being primetime, though, Ohio State absolutely throttled Nebraska. I did watch that one. First time I got to watch Ohio State all the way through. And uh, all I can say is gulp. <laughs> Chase Young's the best player in the Big Ten. Yeah. I, I can't really argue with that. Um, he has 17 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, and eight sacks through five games. It's Chase Young, Jonathan Taylor, uh, and then a guy we're going against this week, Tristan Wirfs on Iowa. Okay. I think. It's, yeah. The, we're going to see all three of them. So you want to yeah, dig into Iowa? Yeah, of course we are. Uh, yeah, well, let's uh, let's finish up. Anything else around the Big Ten you wanted to touch, and then we'll take a quick break, and we'll touch on Iowa. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, Michigan State, Ohio State this weekend. Do we – we actually get to see some – if Ohio State's offense can be slowed down? Because say what you will about the Spartans, their defense is good. Yeah, I'd like to see Ohio State at least come back down to earth to give me some hope that it can be done. Uh, and Michigan State's defense is very good. Uh, I mean, they they really hung in there and and won a barn burner over Indiana this last week. Um, uh, and, and Indiana's a decent team. They can give some people trouble, but Ohio State absolutely throttled Indiana. So I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of hoping a tornado envelops the entire field when they're all there. But uh, I'd like to see Michigan State put up a fight in this one. I, I still think Ohio State puts up over 40. Yeah, this... As of right now, this appears to be the best Ohio State team since their national title team. They're just Great. decimating. <laughs> I mean, they're just decimating opponents. But we'll see. We'll learn a lot this weekend against Michigan State. Mark D'Antonio always gets his teams up, and this defense will be hopefully really locked in. And it's the night game to watch for. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that is exciting. Ohio State has a super easy schedule. It's extremely likely they're going to run the table until they get to us. Uh, Wisconsin is at Ohio State. Michigan State's at Ohio State. They miss Iowa this year. It, they do get Wisconsin, it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it's at Ohio. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so, I mean, it's – I don't know. I don't really see where the upset's going to happen. We just got to kind of hope for that rivalry factor. I'm doing air quotation marks right now. Uh, we got to hope for that, I guess, because they look like a freaking juggernaut. But uh, we'll we'll deal with that when the time comes. We still got a couple months of being happy. Yeah, don't ruin me yet. <laughs> that time will come, my son. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into Iowa, a not even sneaky good opponent anymore. Uh, Andy and I are tore on this, but I think this might be the best Iowa team we've seen since Harbaugh came to town. We'll talk about that right after this. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we are back on Out of the Blue. We are talking the Iowa game. The Hawkeyes come to Ann Arbor this weekend. Unbeaten right now after a pretty thorough beating of a common opponent in Middle Tennessee. Iowa looks like they're rolling a little bit. They've got they got studs on this team. They've got at least two guys projected to go in the first round. Uh, the Kirk Ferentz, I mean, he's been coaching there since sometime after the cotton gin was invented, but I think he's coaching some of his best football right now. Let's get into this, my man. Where do you want to start? You want to start with Nate Stanley? You want to start on the defense? Let's start with Nate Stanley. Yeah, let's start on the offense. Let's do it. All right. Their offense is pretty typical Iowa, a good offensive line, a up-and-down quarterback, and a lot of skill on the outside. But it's just how they utilize their skills, what Michigan has to be ready for. They have three dominant running backs, two dominant receivers. So maybe a little more talent than we're used to, but Iowa's always had sneaky good athletes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think of guys like Akram Wadley, um, Noah Fant was there. I mean, uh, TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Yeah, they've had athletes. They've had guys that you kind of under the radar, but get it done. Uh, This year, I mean, they're not flying under the radar anymore. What concerns me about this team is just how well balanced they are. You know, I see what you're saying there. It's like, oh, kind of the same old Iowa, but Nate Stanley's just a little bit better than some of the quarterbacks they've had in the past. The offensive line is a little bit better than they've had in the past. I'm really high on Tristan Wirfs on the offensive line. Uh, the, the wide receivers, these guys look pretty good. I'm not saying they're NFL guys, but Amir Smith, Marset, and Brandon Smith, each with three scores on the season, those guys are burners. I mean, we've got better wide receivers. We've got them there. But this team, I mean, they're just not going to make a ton of mistakes on offense. I mean, they're they're just solid everywhere. I don't see many holes. No, they're not. But also, my, my biggest takeaway thus far is about who they're playing and who their opponents have been. I need to, just like the Maryland game, somebody needed to spray some settle down juice all over us and we just take a step back. And I need to, I think we need to do that just a little bit with Iowa. I, haven't, I want to see how they play against Michigan first on the road in a real test before I jump to any conclusions, because I've seen Nate Stanley be just a world beater. I've also seen Nate Stanley just be terrible at times, uh, even last year. So seeing the step up in competition will be nice, but no doubt about it, Iowa's a really good team. Yeah, they definitely are. I think that this is a better team than the one that beat us in 2016 on the road. Well, there's always wacky stuff that happens at Kinnick. That team wasn't good, but the power of Kinnick has no match. That's true. Yeah. Kinnick, uh, what would you say is a more, or you already asked me this question, but would you agree Kinnick and Camp Randall fall somewhere at least in the top 10, maybe top five hardest places to play? Camp Randall toward the bottom, Kinnick toward the top though, for me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll take either one. I think they're both incredibly hard to play. I mean, Death Valley, both Clemson and uh, and LSU, uh, very difficult to play, but yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. They're up there. Uh What I don't like about this team, though, is that they're a little bit more balanced than we are right now in the sense that we need Zach Charbonnet to be healthy in order to have a competent running game. They're going to be able to run the ball a little bit. Uh, I, I, I think wholeheartedly the biggest mismatch in this entire game is their offensive line against our defensive line. I haven't seen anything from Dana and Quiddy Pay, which we really thought were going to be studs this year, that lets me think they're going to get pressure on Nate Stanley. 
I think they're going to be able to run the ball, not, you know, like they did against Middle Tennessee or any of the other cupcakes they've played, but they're going to be able to run the ball at something like three yards a click. And then I think that's going to set up play action. I think Nate Stanley's going to have time in the pocket, and that concerns me. Time in the pocket is concerning with Nate Stanley. You got to get after him, you got to hit him. The ceiling for this Iowa team is Michigan last year, which is deadly. Mm-hmm. Ten and two is a really good team, but yep. this team can beat you in a variety of ways. Has a quarterback that is competent but can make mistakes. Talent around him, good defense. So that's what they remind me of. But they have to prove it in this game. The offensive total, like number of yards they've put up in each of their first four games, are six forty four last week, four sixty five, four thirty eight. But then when they play real competition, it plummets to three thirteen. That so, was Iowa State. That was Iowa State. And Iowa yeah. State's they're they're decent. not Michigan. They're decent, they're not Michigan. It's a rivalry game, whatever. They're not that good though. Right, right. I feel you. Um yeah, their their running back room kind of reminds me of when we had like Devion Smith, Ty Isaac, and I think was it Chris Chris Evans was the other one we were running with that? And Higdon. And Higdon. Yeah, yeah, that was it was Higdon. They've kind of got something similar. They've got Makai Sargent, who's their leading rusher, but Torin Young is averaging an absurd 7.6 yards per carry. Uh, had a breakout game against Middle Tennessee once again. Grain of salt. Uh, but Tyler Goodson looks like he's got the most sauce. He's their Chris Evans. So they've got kind of like a Chris Evans. They got a Ty Isaac and they've got a Karan Higdon and a great offensive line, uh, which honestly their offensive line up to this point in the season has performed a little bit better than ours. Two of their old linemen graded as the top in the country last week in that game. Tristan Wirfs is going to be a top 15 pick. Um, so like I said about that that mismatch there, that concerns me. I, I'm just very worried they're going to be able to run the ball on us more than we want, more than Don Brown wants, which is obviously nothing, but they're going to be doing more than that. That's a great point. And to that, Sergeant and Goodson are both lethal out of the backfield. They both have nine catches on the year, no touchdowns, but Sargent's averaging 11 yards a catch. So they're doing some damage when they get the ball in their hands. And Nate Stanley's not doing anything to hurt this team. He has yet to throw an interception this season. Eight touchdowns to a goose egg. That's what I'm saying. A great point earlier that their ceiling is last year's Michigan, because that's what they remind me of. They're just going to go out there and try and ball control you and and just dink and dunk down the field and get an occasional big shot down the field if it's open. And they're not going to make many mistakes. They're going to beat you technically. They're going to beat you at the line of scrimmage. That's what they want to do in this game. And granted, yes, they did that on offense against some lesser opponents. And then against Iowa State, they struggled. But this, to me, up to this point, would you agree this is the biggest measuring stick for this team? Not necessarily Wisconsin because it was at Camp Randall, because of where they were at mentally? Absolutely. I 100% agree to that. Like I said, the season started last week. Michigan got, got it all together and they're ready to go. Heads in the right place. They know they can be successful. Now it's time to see how successful they can be. This is strap it on. You know what you can do. You know what the loss looks like. You know you can be beat. There's not the pressure of the undefeated season anymore. But we're going to find out how good this team is in all facets. And after this, there there are no more excuses. I mean, you know what to expect at this point. Yep, absolutely. If Iowa comes in and they just run it down our throat and, and beat us down, then, yeah, I think we know exactly what we have. So this is this is the litmus test here. But uh, let's move to defense there. And uh, defense, I think, I want to think that we might have the advantage on defense. But once again, it's not so clear cut. They've got stars on defense. A.J. Epinesa is obviously the big name. He'll be going in the first round of the NFL draft. But Lattimore is also a difference maker. And Epinesa is kind of 
been like the Rashawn Gary of years past for them and that he's not having a huge statistical year right now, but he's drawing double teams and you have to account for him. And that's going to free up some of their other seniors, senior linemen that they've got that can really do some damage. Exactly. Epines has been the target now. So teams go after him with double, triple teams, send running backs, chips, everything they can to take him out of the play. But all that attention it opens up for other players on the team. This defense is ranked third in the Big Ten, just like their offense, more to their balance. They're going to be tough. Their front seven especially will test their secondary a little bit, but it's all about if Shea Patterson can have enough time to get rid of the ball because we've seen what happens when he has time and when he doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And I know it's kind of a cop-out to say that this game's going to be decided on the lines, but this game is absolutely going to be decided on the lines. They have a clear-cut advantage with their offensive line against our defensive line. Unless Dwum Ford takes a big step, kind of like how Runyon did last week with his health, if Dwum Ford can come back and be healthy in the rotation or all of a sudden, even if you can get Chris Hinton and Maisie Smith kind of in the rotation to keep Carlo Kemp and Dwum Ford healthy, That'll help a little bit, but right now their O-line versus our D-line is a huge mismatch. And I also think that they may have us so far on their defensive line versus our offensive line. Well, I mean, what, what's your opinion on that? Our offensive line has definitely underperformed up to this point. They've underperformed, but we've only seen two games now with them at full strength. One was a beating and one was dominant. So this is going to be the test of how good they are. I exactly. wish I had more of a thought to that, but it's going to be, this is the test. This is a good bar to cross over and see how good they are before you get to, you know, the Ohio States and Michigan States of the world. So we'll, for now, I'll give them the edge. They've performed better holistically than Michigan has, but now's the time for Michigan to reverse the narrative if they wish to do so. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, we'll know exactly what this offensive line is going to be if Runyon is indeed back at full strength. Stuber's out for the year, so we were never going to see that, but you feel good about Mayfield over at the right Runyon at left. You hope he's back, and now you can get some cohesion around along the offensive line, which is massively important, especially at that position group, to have that cohesion, to have that communication. So if that takes a big step in this game, and they're able to hold Epinesa, Lattimore, those guys, they've got some pretty good linebackers on their on their defense as well. Um, if they can keep those guys out of the backfield, keep Shea Patterson upright, and he has time, and you're saying it's it's our offense basically versus their offense, defense kind of cancels out, I like our odds in this. But uh, that offensive line is going to have to keep him upright, and not just early on throughout the game, so that late in the game he can still be surveying and using those deadly receivers that we have where we have a positional advantage. So, I mean, that's going to be very key. Iowa yards allowed against opponents, 125, 216, 245. The one time they played a legitimate team, Iowa State, 418. That That is encouraging. I mean, that is encouraging. We are a better team than Iowa State. We have more talent than Iowa State. We have more talent than Iowa. So you'd like to think all things being equal, we should be able to move the ball. How does Michigan win this game? I mean, I think we've kind of talked about it. I think that uh, keeping Shea Patterson very clean in the pocket, Zach Charbonnet's got to play in this game. We've got to be able to run the ball. We cannot become one-dimensional because they're going to be balanced. I mean, this is going to be one of the most balanced teams. Wisconsin's super balanced. Shit, Ohio State super balanced. We're in trouble all season. Notre Dame's super balanced. Our yep. schedule is just brutal, honestly, now that I look at it, but... I mean, this you can't be become one-dimensional. Christian Turner's uh, got to be involved. Zach Charbonnet's got to be involved. True Wilson's going to run the ball a little bit. And I think some big plays. I mean, we, we might have to take some shots. 
I think so as well. And one factor not to be slept on is the revenge factor because several players on this team were in Kinnick when Michigan's undefeated season in 2016 was swept away from them. The Carlo Kemp's of the world, the Josh Metellises, the Bredesen, Bredesen, all of them. They've been there. They've went through this. The Klee Hudson's like, no, like they remember when Devin Bush was tossed. They remember the field goal, 14 to 13. All that's going to be in their mind. They've been wanting revenge on this team. And now is their opportunity to get their hands on them. It's just whether or not they can capitalize. But I think that little momentum and the fact that this game is at home makes me feel better than I would if it were at a neutral site and Michigan had not had that history with Iowa. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And we do have some positional advantages. The biggest one that I can see, I mean, I've only watched some Iowa tape and a little bit of their actual game. Um, and I think that's our receivers versus their defensive backs. They do have senior defensive defensive back Michael Ojemudia, who you might remember is the brother of Mario uh, from Farmington Hills. He's pretty playing pretty well. Um, they're they're older in their secondary, so they're experienced, they're smart, and they're savvy. But athletically, we should be able to take some advantages, some mismatches there. So I think that big plays, yes, that'll be big on defense. Uh, I think it's going to be just stop the run, make Nate Stanley beat you, and he's he's going to make some plays out there. But I'd much rather deal with having to to fight back their passing attack than having to deal with that offensive line in a dominant run game. That's exactly right. You you have to upset the balance here. Make them imbalanced. Take them out of their comfort zone. Take something away. The Bill Belichick motto is take away what they do best and make them beat you another way. And I'm with you. Let's take away the running game because I think Nate Stanley's passing is predicated on play action and time. So you take away that and force them to be just a pocket passer. And if he beats you that way, you live with it. But you yep. put yourself in the most opportune situation to win. So we're on the same page, man. You got a prediction? Uh, I do. Before we do that, I want to do something real quick. I want to go down because this step chart, it was very interesting going through. So I want to go where you think the positional advantages is. Then we'll give uh, predictions. Okay. Quarterback. Quarterback. Positional advantage. Iowa. Ooh. <laughs> that is some fun. That is surprising. Running back. Well, I, I've seen better Nate Stanley this season than I've had consistent Shea Patterson. I've seen, if Shea okay. Patterson plays like he did against Rutgers all season, give me that, but it's Iowa right now. Yeah, yeah. Ceiling, it's Shea Patterson, but yeah. current, I agree, it's Stanley. Uh, running back, I would have to say just with the current state of our room, Iowa, yeah? Iowa. Yep. Wide receiver? Clear. Michigan. Clear. Uh, tight end is a tough one. Um, their tight ends don't really have big numbers yet this year. They're bigger guys uh, trying to fill in for Fanton Hawkinson. Give me Michigan. I think Michigan as well. I was kind of back and forth on that. I just don't know enough about their tight ends, and I like our tight end room. Uh, offensive line? Uh, Iowa for consistency, same as quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you. As much as I love our O-line, I'm going Iowa there. Uh, special teams? Give me Michigan. I'm not going against Jake Moody and Will Hart. Okay. I'm not a Satanist. <laughs> Thank God, because I'd really hate to have to disown you and mail you some acid. <laughs> Sprayed into your face like some sort of contraption from the movie Saw. Yeah, I'm going Michigan as well for special teams. D-line. Oh, once again, higher ceiling Michigan, but A.J. Epinesa, this defense hasn't been gashed by Jonathan Taylor yet, Iowa. I agree with you. Yeah, that's hard for me to do because we came in thinking we were – 10, 11 deep on our D line. And we've kind of had to eat some crow, um, not in the good way on this one. And that our D line is really underperformed. And uh, if the one four comes back healthy and we hit on one of Maisie Smith and Chris Hinton and they can play this year, I might change it, but I'm with you. It's, it's Iowa. 
linebacker. I'm going Michigan. I don't know enough about Iowa's linebackers, and Cam McGrone showed me enough to feel confident in this pick. Still believe in Klee Hudson, and if Josh Ross comes back, give me Michigan in a runaway. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think Michigan wins it here. Uh, Iowa has solid linebackers. I mean, I just listened to that podcast today. They like their linebackers, but they're not the stars back there. So I go, I'll go linebacker Michigan as well. Secondary. Michigan. Yeah, no hesitation. Lavert Hill showed signs that he's back which was nice to see, kept the eyes out of the backfield, stopped grabbing so much. I think Vincent Gray and Ambry Thomas are both studs. They can't wait for them next year. And then Metellus, Dax Hill, Brad Hawkins has gone under the radar for really just substantial play this season. Just been solid. Just kind of a no-name that just gets the job done. So give me Michigan secondary. Yeah, I'll agree with you. Uh, If Lavert Hill would have had another down game, I would have gone a different way here because then it's just Ambry Thomas and – and Metellus and well, honestly you you said it though Vincent Gray looks good you feel good about what you have with Hawkins and Hawkins actually secretly playing really really well um his name his, you see his his jersey number popping up all over the field so yeah I'm gonna go secondary hill here and with Dax Hill now as well that's an even easier pick for me but I'm no mathematician but Michigan 5-4 one two three four yeah Michigan, a 5-4 advantage. But, I mean, you see how close it was because some of them are kind of like, eh, I don't know about this one. But, yeah, yeah, I I got Michigan at a 5-4 advantage, but it's tight. All right, that said, my friend, you ready to do it? Let's do this thing. All right, Um, I'll go go first this time. All right, all right, hit me. I got you. I'm going to surprise you a little bit. So, I see the game playing out the way we envision it. Michigan comes out really fired up at home under the lights, maybe a slow first quarter, similar to Wisconsin, Penn State last year. I really think this team starts to figure it out, but it's not going to be pretty. They're not going to be fumbles inside the five, but there's not going to be the abundance of big plays. There's going to be a little bit here, a little bit there, maybe a late pass here, something like that. Michigan trails 17 to 14 late in the game, trails 20 to 14 late in the game. Michigan comes back and gets the win 21 to 20 at home. I love it, man. You're kind of seeing things the same way I'm seeing it here is uh, there's been a lot of points scored in college football in general and in a lot of these Michigan games up to this point, not by Rutgers, of course, but I, I don't necessarily see this as a barn burner. Um, not that Iowa, Michigan was ever intended to be a barn burner. I could see this one starting out slow. I think it's going to be about who can establish that ground game. I think that the passing game might take a minute to catch up. Um, but then I think that ours will. Um, there's just too much of a talent gap between our receivers and their secondary if Shea Patterson stays upright. I see us maybe building a little bit of a lead before Iowa kind of just hangs around, hangs around, keeps it close there at the end with Michigan breaking through late in the game. Uh, I'm going to go 24-21 Michigan, but pretty much the exact same thing you're thinking. So, I mean, not not far off there. And the basement for this game is definitely Iowa establishes the run and pulls the Wisconsin and runs away like 28 to seven or something. And then we just burn down the entire city of Ann Arbor. That would be the basement. And if that happens, then uh, I don't know. I might have to pick up speed or PCP. Aren't those the same thing? I don't know. I'll find out if we lose. I'll just try and set to I think it'll get the job done faster. That'll get you there. Trust me. <laughs> but if this one, uh, this is a game to be excited for. It's uh a more reasonable test than what we thought Wisconsin was going to be. We've kind of tempered our expectations a little bit, expecting a slugfest. It's not gonna, it probably won't be pretty. If it is, then 
my expectations are going to run away from me. But I'm right. really, really excited for this team, this game, this team, this opponent. Kirk Ferentz is a great head coach. Been there. A Bill Belichick guy comes from his coaching tree. So it's going to be good, man. We're really going to find out what Michigan's about once they have some swagger back in their step. Absolutely, man. Yeah, this is definitely one to be excited about because no matter what after this one, you can set your expectations based on this game. So, And I will after this. They'll either rise to a point that's very unhealthy for my cholesterol or they'll they'll sink to a point that's really bad for my depression. <laughs> one or the other, you know, it's okay. Either way, I should be getting prescribed some new pills. <laughs> yeah, we thought Wisconsin was going to be the tone setter for the season but as flat as Michigan came out, it obviously wasn't just because of the effort. It wasn't there. It wasn't Michigan competing in any means, and they're, they're much better than 35-14. Also, how was that game only 35-14? It feels like it was 49-2. to Yeah, it should have been 49-7 to or something. Honestly, that's what it felt like. Uh, Wisconsin maybe took their foot off the throat a little bit in the second half, let us come back into it, toss it around a little bit. But If, yeah, Michigan, more- if Michigan wins big – do you start start you know kind of thinking about Penn State 2016 vibes? Well, that's the thing because that was at home. We, we're going to Happy Valley this year. I'm just saying they started out two and two in 2016. And came oh, you're talking about Penn State how they recovered and yeah, yeah. I mean we can absolutely have a great year. Like we said last week, man, there's so much talent on this team. There's way too much to give up and just say that that's it and uh, this team's a lost cause. No, you could turn in a win here. I could easily see them finding a weight. Not easily, but they could easily do it. I mean, it's possible to beat Notre Dame at home at night. I mean, there's a lot going in your favor there. Um, Penn State on the road, I don't have a great feeling about. And then you got Ohio State. But even if you lose three games... That's still a pretty good season. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna eat your lunch for losing three games to three ranked teams. With this gauntlet of a schedule, it's impossible to be. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and listen to how excited we're starting to get now about these young players coming up. So if this is a nine and three season, but you're like, well, now we're bringing back some studs, then we could have. You know, of course, it lines up that next year's the on the road for Michigan State and Ohio State, and this year lines up better to make a run. But that being said, there's some things to be excited about. Yes, and after last week, we couldn't say that. No, no, and I mean, just you can hear it in our voices. The optimism rings anew. (laughs) That's why we're here, sir. (laughs) All right, man, that's going to do it for us tonight on Out of the Blue. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Andy underscore Bailey one at OBlue87. Follow Maze and Brew on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Like us on Facebook, Instagram. Just give us all your love. We're really needy millennials. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Leave a review, review for all your shows and content wherever you get your podcast by searching Maze and Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, all that jazz. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Closing Time hosted by our fearless leader, Anthony Broom. Andy, any final thoughts from you, my brother? Don Brown ran some zone defense this week. Good job by you, Don Brown. Keep it up. I saw that. Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? That's it on Out of the Blue. I'm Jared. That's Andy reminding you that wherever you go, go blue. Go blue.